Welcome to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Zalewski. This is the Real Estate Players Profile. It's also episode number 60 in our podcast series. For this particular uh, episode, what I'm going to be doing is a one-on-one conversation with a gentleman named Jose Suarez. He's the founder and owner of a company called Global Inventory Liquidators. And what do they do? They basically um, will go in and buy out in bulk a company that is going, um, uh, it's closing or, or looking to offload. And then they turn around, they put a spread on whatever price they paid. And typically they, they, they get significant discounts and they turn around and resell it on a one-off basis to individuals. Uh, generally speaking, um, uh, the, uh, Jose's company, they'll look to resell stuff at about 70 to 80% off of retail price, which means they're buying for, um, you know, five to 10 cents on a dollar. So uh, his business has really taken off uh, now that we're dealing with the recession uh, that was induced by the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Who are some of the uh, companies that are looking to offload and generate cash in order to either um, pay back creditors and or to sort of generate some cash to kind of ride uh, ride through this whole pandemic? Well, you got restaurants, you have hotels, you have anybody in hospitality, and you also have furniture stores. Think about how many furniture stores you drive by nowadays. You see signs up for sale, clearance, uh, 50% off, yada, yada, yada. Jose's firm... Uh, They'll go in, they'll buy everything. And when they buy it, I'm not talking about a couple things. I'm talking about containers. You know, like those containers you see stacked up on the ocean carriers. They buy that type of stuff and turn around, carve it out, and resell it. So it's a fascinating type of business. Also offers some great insight as to what's going on in the overall uh, South Florida economy. So it's going to be a great podcast. But before we uh, begin the podcast, I want to remind you, if you're not yet a subscriber to the Kind of Ultra podcast, please go ahead and do so wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like what we're doing, please give us a rating. Uh, The more ratings we get, the more our message is going to spread and it's going to help us to sort of fulfill our mission statement, which is try to bring clarity and straight talk to an extremely overhyped real estate market. And then finally, if you have any questions, uh, you have any comments, you have any uh, statements, uh, criticisms, complaints, uh, uh, compliments, you name it, we want to hear from you. Please send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. So fasten your seatbelt, lean back, and get ready to learn all about the liquidation business in South Florida. Are you a primary user or real estate investor who's in the market for a discounted South Florida condo? Are you searching in the markets of Greater Downtown Miami, Miami Beach north to Sunny Isles Beach, Hollywood north to Fort Lauderdale, or anywhere else east of I-95 in the Tri-County South Florida region? If so, the buyer brokers at Condo Vultures Realty are here to assist you. Condo Vultures Realty is a licensed Florida brokerage that was established in 2006 to assist educated buyers in identifying, negotiating, and purchasing units at a discounted price. To speak with a buyer broker at Condo Vultures Realty, please call 305-865-5859 or visit our website, condovulturesrealty.com. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Zalewski. I'm having a conversation with a gentleman I've known for probably 15 years or so, and uh, he's an entrepreneur, he's an opportunist. And at the end of the day, he's always ahead of the curve. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Jose Suarez. He is the owner of a company called Global Inventory Liquidators. What's going on, Jose? How you doing, Peter? Glad to be here. Hey, man. Thanks for uh, taking time out. I know you're running and gunning. A lot of people are sitting back scratching their ass kind of like me. <laughs> but you, you're out there taking advantage of all the opportunities that are in front of us. More bills than most. <laughs> Well said, well said. Jose, um, our listeners are all over the world, and one of the things they've uh, they've come to expect from us 
And and by the way, this is episode number 60. Can you believe it? I did 60 podcasts. So um, one of the things that the listeners come to expect from us is straight talk and salty language is permitted. So if you happen to curse, and you've definitely been known to drop an F-bomb here or there, uh, I just want you to know that the listener is not going to be offended by that. Is that, uh, does that. Does that work for you? Fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Now, now, now Jose, um, generally speaking, what I'd like to do is I'd like to have three 20-minute segments. First 20 minutes, I want to focus on you and, and global inventory liquidators. Second se- 20 minutes, I want to focus about what you're seeing in the marketplace. And then finally, the third 20 minutes, I want to sort of um, ask you to pull out a crystal ball and give us some sort of expectation about what you see coming down the pike. Um, uh, th- is that cool? That sounds good. That Perfect. sounds good. Perfect, perfect. So, so let, let me start off where I start off with everybody, Jose. Um, uh, where are you from originally, and how did you get to South Florida? Simply because nobody seems to be born and raised there. Uh, originally, I'm from uh, Guayaquil, Ecuador, and um, pretty much uh, came here to go to college and uh, graduated from college in business with a business degree. Went back to Ecuador and worked in a family business for about a year or so, and really just uh, just kind of missed the U.S. I just I couldn't get used to living in Ecuador, uh, you know, after college. So pretty much came down here to Miami in uh, 1986. Wow. During the cocaine cowboy era. Yes. Yes, sir. I wasn't in that business, though. Uh, <laughs> I had a nice business degree, so I got my real estate license. And uh, right from the beginning, I pretty much gravitated not to the general real estate, but just kind of started uh, by driving the um, the streets, looking for houses with long grass, just looking for the distress type uh, of homes and uh, wanting to flip. And uh, that's how I pretty much got started in real estate and pretty much stayed in that uh, distressed market the whole the whole time I was in it. And still, I'm pretty much in it. Not as active as I, uh, as I was before, but uh, pretty much everything I do now is an extension of buying and selling, and uh, you know, distressed real estate. Got it. Got it. In fact, um, uh, some people maybe back in uh, July they might remember I did a podcast uh, with two gentlemen who are basically are running the Dade Real Estate Investors Association called Dria. And uh, Jose, you were actually one of the founding uh, members of that, were you? Not? I, I was one of the founding members, and it was actually a group of us that, uh, when we first started doing real estate investing, we we would meet, we'd get together, and then we finally decided to create a uh, uh, a club that would allow us to get together, share information, share uh, properties, uh, meet contractors, hard money lenders. And we started that club. I used to do the education segment. So mm-hmm. I'd find the speakers that would sell the books and tapes and I'd get them to come uh, on a Saturday and, you know, do the bus trips. And uh, so I did that for several years and now I'm not active with the club, but I am a founding member. So I can, I can go for free anytime I want. They try to charge me, but I don't pay them uh, <laughs> being be my founding status. Nice. Now, well, listen, next time I want to pop in there, I need you to make a call in advance because, you know, chances are Jim or Vichu, they might try to shake me down. Oh, yeah. They, <laughs> they shake me down, but just, you know, just, 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 just yell. <laughs> exactly. Make, make a scene and they'll leave you alone. <laughs> so, Jose, when you, um, when you came to Miami from Guayaquil, and by the way, Guayaquil is actually on the coast because Quito's up in the mountains and Guayaquil's down on the, on the Pacific, correct? 
Yes. Well, I was actually born in Guayaquil, but when I went, uh, when I um, lived in Ecuador, I was actually in Quito in the capital. So we're in the, we're in the, uh, uh, in the highlands up in the, up in the Andes mountains. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, anybody who's not from South Florida or not from Ecuador or Peru, uh, and I mentioned Peru because uh, the term ceviche is very popular and very common. Some people claim it was originally from Peru. Others say it's from Ecuador. You being an Ecuadorian and proud, uh, where, where does ceviche come from and what's the distinction? Um, well, I think, I think, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure really where it originates. We, we, people from Ecuador say Ecuador and people in Peru say Peru. Um, I think it, I think that, and the difference is we pretty much, um, our ceviche is known as a, almost like a shrimp cocktail. It's cooked shrimp in a, almost like a tomato type of sauce with cilantro and lots of onions. Mm. And we also have another one, which is a uh, a mussel, a mussel ceviche, um, which is a, a special mussel found off the coast of uh, Peru, Ecuador, and I think parts of Colombia. Okay. Uh, whereas the Peruvian ceviche, what's typically known is uh, a cured white fish, cured in lemon and onions, etc. Um, I personally think it's probably because I'm used to it. Uh, I like the shrimp ceviche better. It's not as uh, tart. Yes. Uh, so, but yes, we both claim, uh, claim that we are, we have the original ceviches. And, and, and for anybody and granted, you know, we're going through a pandemic, but a lot of restaurants will still survive. Is there a go-to restaurant? Maybe if somebody who's uh, listening to this and says, you know what, that sounds, that sounds pretty damn good. Is there a go-to place you might be able to recommend in South Florida for Ecuadorian ceviche? You know what, for my, for my taste, uh, I like one in Doral. It's called Milindo Ecuador. Okay. It's right on 25th Street and uh, 87th Avenue, Northwest. Got it. And to Got me, it. that's probably the the best uh, Ecuadorian restaurant in, in the South Florida area, personally. Huh. I'm going to have to check that out. Now, Now you've actually, um, you, you've had operations and you've worked all over, not only South Florida, but you were actually in Central Florida. When I first met you going back in 2007, 8 or so, you were just coming off of a stint where you were buying and selling land and lots up in central Florida. Could, could you sort of tell the crowd a little bit or the audience a little bit about, um, you know, just uh, what you did at that time? Just because I want them to be clear about what an entrepreneur you are and how you, you sort of see the opportunity. You go in there and you really kind of take advantage of it. Uh, a lot of times ahead of, t- uh, ahead of the curve before most people even are aware of it. Right. And this was around probably 2005. 2004 maybe mm-hmm. uh, and prior to that I was down here in South Florida doing the uh, the foreclosures looking for handyman properties bank owned properties yep. going going to the courthouse and buying out the uh, tax deed and uh, and loan you know the the bank foreclosures um, then one of the investors basically told me about uh, there was a little land rush going on in central North Florida. So I jumped on that bandwagon and pretty much what we would do is we would locate people that had lots in mm-hmm. Sebring and Ocala in Cape Coral, Lehigh Acres. And uh, our business model was we'd accumulate about a hundred of these and then we would run an auction uh, kind of nationwide, uh, primarily Florida though. And then we'd sell them off a hundred at a time to individual nice. buyers. Yes. Yes. 
Um, and that's around the time where the, uh, the market started to crash. I started feeling it when we did an auction in, or in 2006. It was after one of the hurricanes or during one of the hurricanes. And then nobody pretty much showed up. We had to cancel an auction and then another one. And that's when I felt the tide starting to change in the real estate market. Yep. And right around that time uh, is when I jumped over from the lots to condo vultures. I saw you somewhere. Yep. And you're talking about distressed condos and the over, uh, you know, the overbuilding of condos, et cetera, et cetera. And I gave you a call or we emailed and that's, that's how I jumped into the condo, uh, uh, you know, situation down here in South Florida. Great. Yep, exactly. So, so we ran that through and then I, I'll never forget at the end of 2010, you and I went for dinner and of course at the Capitol Grill on Brickell. And of course I had to pay. You're, 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 you're very good about that. And, um, and then from that point, you decided to jump into what was going to be the next wave. And what was that? That was the whole vaping craze. You got in early and oh my God, you, you hit it out of the park, my friend. Well, if, uh, if you remember, actually, I think in, in one of your books or one of your uh, newsletters or something, you mentioned the deal that we were working on, which if we can say it, it was the Everglades, that's right. Uh, building in downtown and we were working it through a bankruptcy procedure. We yep. had a, we represented one of the buyers and it was a multiple offer situation. We ended up, I think we got the deal and then they ended up going to the other buyer. I'm not sure what the details I'm still, yeah, yeah, you, you, you know what it was is our guys wanted to put up 5%, which would go hard, meaning it was non-refundable. We're talking about a deal that was in ballpark $180 million or so. Versus the one who ultimately got it, they put 10% hard, meaning if, if, if the, the buyer who ultimately got it didn't close that 10% of, uh, let's call it $180 million, they would have been out $18 million, no questions asked. Yep, yep. And I remember you calling that somewhere the the last of the bulk deals or the... That's right. Okay, so um, not that I really listened to you, but uh, sure, <laughs> sure enough, it did feel like there were no more bulk deals to be had in the condo market. And uh, I transitioned because I had a friend that was in the real estate uh, investment business. Uh, give me a call. We were talking what's going on. We were both uh, uh, talking about how there's nothing really going on in the real estate market. And what he had started doing is they had started uh, uh, importing uh, e-cigs, you know, vaporizers and in, um sourcing them out of China and selling them online. So he said, listen, Jose, if you have nothing going on, we're starting a wholesale division in the uh, e-cig vape market. Why don't you come along? We're looking to get these uh, e-cigs wherever people buy traditional cigarettes. So I did, I went and started with him and uh, worked out a good commission type of, type of deal um, but it really took a couple of years, just, you know, the typical conversation that I'd call a cigarette distributor, talk to them about e-cigs and they were to be like, well, what, what's an e-cig? They didn't really <laughs> even know yeah. what the product was. And that's when I'm like, wow, I really worked out a crummy, I thought I had a great high commission deal, but nobody even knew what the product was. Uh, anyways, I stuck it out, just grinding and, uh, working it and, uh, after the second year, all of a sudden, now they, the people started calling me. They started becoming familiar with the product. Uh, they'd start going to trade shows. And uh, uh, I remember one day I had two calls from the biggest cigarette distributors in the Caribbean. 
asking me, you know, uh, calling me. So that's nice. when I saw, yeah, I, I saw the tide starting to change. And because of the good commission structure, uh, I basically, let's see, about four, four, four and a half years uh, grinding it out, I was able to uh, put away a good amount of money. And, uh, and, uh, and then that started, as I mentioned, uh, you know, the regulations started coming in. There was a, yep. a ton of regulations from the FDA, which kind of made it cost prohibitive to keep bringing in these uh, e-cigs unless you were a big corporation. Um, and then that's how I transitioned into the liquidation is I saw an advertising for an auction for a company called Tui Lifestyle. Tui. Oh my God. Anybody who played real estate last go around, they're going to recognize the name Tui. Yes. Yes. And I, uh, during my time with condo vultures, I saw Tui cause they'd have the models and most of the new condo buildings in Brickle, Brickle Icon, Brickle 500 or 500 Brickle. And uh, they were very contemporary. They wanted to be like the rooms to go of designer furniture where they'd set up your unit with everything, Mm -hmm. utensils, TVs, towels in 72 hours. Wow. So consequently, they held a huge amount of inventory, which is rare for a designer furniture. Usually designer furniture, you order it, you put half down, and then it comes from Italy in two, three months. Okay. And you pay the balance. Mm-hmm. Here they'd have a hundred sofas, a hundred of the of the TVs, a hundred of the dressers, a thousand of, of each because it was a high turnaround, a lot of sales going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, make a long story short, I see a, uh, when the market started slowing down, I see an advertising saying Tui was uh, conducting a bankruptcy auction and they were selling off all the inventory. I remember that. I totally remember that. You remember wow. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I was starting to look for what else to do after the vaping business. And I actually called my sister who had cleaned out her garage and I go, Kathy, I'm going to this furniture auction. Are you, is your garage still empty? She's like, yes. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking I might buy a sofa, I might buy something. Yeah. Um, anyways, I get to the auction and I start seeing them auction off by the, by the aisle, like a huge aisle. You could barely see the guy at the other side of the aisle. And the first aisle went for like $2,000. Yeah. And I might, might've had 50 to 70 pieces of furniture. And if you know, uh, a sofa, Tui sofa was 2000 or, you know, it was, it was kind of highly priced uh, designer furniture. Sure, 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 sure. And, so, I mean, and, and uh, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Tui, so Tui was the name of the, um, uh, of the designer, right? And a lot of the furniture was actually made somewhere in Asia. Didn't Tui come from the Philippines or somewhere yes. in Southeast Asia? Yes. He was a well-known designer called Tui Pranchet. And his company was Tui Lifestyle. Okay. And it was very contemporary, very modern, very South Florida, light colors, very modern, ideal for like a condo type of setting. Um, so, and, and, and also too, Jose, they, they were ideally situated because what they would do is investors were coming in buying these pre-construction condos. And when the condos would be delivered, basically there was no flooring in and a lot of work was necessary. So Tui would come in and potentially build out the unit for you and 
give you the furniture, give you the couches, give you the toothbrushes, give you everything you needed. So if you were an investor, you could turn it over to Tui, and lo and behold, when they were done, you had a place that was ready to rock and roll and be rented out. Exactly, exactly. And, and uh, you know, the realtors loved them because they'd get the commission on the condo, and then yep. they'd get a, a very nice commission on the furniture package. Wow, yeah, that was quite the uh, the situation. They had it vertically integrated. Let, let's yes, go around. yes. So at the auction, after the first aisle, I saw what it went for. I basically just bought everything in the auction after that. And, uh, <laughs> I had, Can I ask ballpark how much you dropped on all the Tui, Tui furniture? And then what was it worth retail? Yeah, it was, uh, I would say there was about a half a million in, uh, in, in cost. Damn. In cost. And if you, um, yeah, uh, I I would say that I probably bought at around five to ten cents on the dollar of retail. Well done. Yeah. Well, and, and and that's Jose. Jose, you are. I mean, listen, if the deal's there, you gotta you gotta take it out. Yes. Well, I I really didn't expect. Actually, uh, <laughs> that, then then I find out that I need to get everything out in three to four business days. So as they're loading, what? yeah, I ended up buying about 20 containers of furniture. <laughs> so as they're loading the containers, I'm driving around, I'm giving them my sister's address as a, just, just to get quotes. But while they're loading, I'm driving around looking for warehouse space to, uh, you know, and, uh, and looking for a showroom and a warehouse is that three days uh, to get everything out of there? And in the meantime, I'm calling my friend from the vape shop and saying, "Look, I, I might need to take a couple of weeks off." <laughs> <laughs> so that was my introduction into the world of liquidations. Now, 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 yeah, but liquidations. But you understand the the model because you were selling dirt, you were selling real estate, you were selling vapes, and now all of a sudden it it was just a different product you were moving. But the overall business process. That's something, you know, like back of your hand. Well, it was, I mean, it, that, that experience came from buying at the courthouse for houses for, mm-hmm. for 10, 15 years and going to tax deed sales and buying REOs. I kind of knew that if you buy something low, cheap enough, you're going to make money. Uh, yep. I did not know anything about furniture other than, you know, how to sit on a couch or uh, I, and you're very good at that. I don't think I've ever even walked into a furniture store and bought anything. Uh, but I figured I'm buying it cheap enough. I could, you know, it'll be a good, a good way to get, uh, introduce myself into non-real estate type of assets. Now, yeah. in retrospect, I do wish I would have bought maybe one container instead of 20. Uh, <laughs> I would have liked to eased into it a little bit. Uh, but I caught, I got caught up in the auction fever and, uh, literally there were people in the auction that were insulting me. And, uh, I got one guy threatened me, uh, if he caught me in the parking lot, cause I wasted his weekend. Uh, <laughs> I had one lady that was a regular at the auction. She was unbuttoning her shirt, trying to distract me while they were bidding. Nice. Uh, it, it really, I, I went through the gamut and I was a little used to it from being at the, at the for, uh, foreclosure auctions, which, as you know, has a whole colorful group of uh, of, uh, of people and investors there. But um, no, 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 Jose, Jose, um, um, 
Believe it or not, we've already reached the end of our first okay. segment. Let, let, why don't we take a commercial break? On the other side of the break, um, let's pick up at the foreclosure auctions because I think the color uh, uh, that, that's going to provide is a perfect segue into sort of what Global Inventory Liquidator okay. is all about. All so right. um, uh, so you're listening to Counter Vultures Podcast. On the other side of this break, Jose is going to start to provide some more insight as to the foreclosure auctions and what used to be before everything went virtual. Stay, stay tuned. Don't buy a South Florida condo, discounted or distressed, before taking a Condo Vultures correction tour. CondoVultures.com offers weekly bus and walking tours that focus on educating buyers on the how-tos of identifying discounted condos, analyzing the opportunities, and purchasing units. Every tour attendee receives a list of all condo projects in a particular market, a market assessment handout, and unmatched expert analysis. For more information on the condo correction tours, Please visit condovultures.eventbrite.com or call 305-865-5859. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures podcast. I'm your host, Peter Zaluski. I'm having a conversation, entertaining and informative and insightful conversation with Jose Suarez, somebody I consider a friend, but also somebody I consider a serial entrepreneur who's extremely successful and he's an opportunist. And I mean that in all, uh, only the positive way. Jose, wow, what a story you're telling us. You end up with 20 containers. You got to finish that story before we get into the foreclosure auctions. What the hell did you do with 20 containers in three days to get uh, to, to, to place them somewhere? All right. Well, as the guys are loading them, uh, I'm driving around warehouse districts, uh, calling every realtor I know that deals in warehouses and trying to get a warehouse right away. Uh, okay, now, 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 now. So, so the audience understands. The the Tui headquarters located right there off of Miami Gardens in Interstate ninety five. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. So anybody who, who's sort of saying where was that area, think Tootsie's. You know, Tootsie's <laughs> the large strip joint, the one that's made headlines in the last the last week or two because they sued the county uh, due to uh, the curfew. So, so it was right around there. So it's kind of right on the cusp of Broward County. Uh, so Northern Dade County and, and effectively close to Southern Broward County. So pretty much centrally located. Yes. I was one of the protesters, by the way, for closing Tootsie's down. <laughs> I don't know if you saw me there with the sign there on channel seven. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so as these guys are loading the container, there was 20 containers. I just didn't realize I'd bought that much. Uh, they're, they're giving me quotes for like a hundred thousand dollars just to move it. And I'm like, to move it, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm talking within the county or maybe Broward. <laughs> They're like, yes, but we have to package and load 20 containers in three days. That means we're going 24-7. And then we have to unload them. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know. Uh, anyways, I, I worked them down to about 25000 but I was getting quotes for like 100 Yeah, so that was my first hit of reality. Like, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> and, and and keep in mind i was uh even though i got a great deal after this auction my reserves that i had saved up for the last five years of commission because i pretty much i pretty much lived off the the salary and then everything that came into commission which was a a pretty hefty amount a month i would just yep. put it away for some the next venture uh, at the end of the auction and the transportation, I'm down to like, I've spent 90% of my <laughs> five years earnings. And I'm like, I'm like, what the hell did I just do? 
And and then uh, <laughs> as I'm talking to the warehouse owners, they're trying to tie me in for five years and and they want first, last, and security. So they want like another $100,000 <laughs> in deposits. And I'm like, look, I might not be around next month. I'm not committing for the next five years. Are you kidding me? So I was able to find a guy just actually I was eating a sandwich and uh, and the, the warehouse was right next door. And I was telling him a little bit about the story. And uh, he's telling me that he'll rent on a month to month basis and, Nice. Anyway, so I'm able to find a, I was able to find a 20,000 square foot warehouse that had about 6,000 square feet in showroom. So I was able to put all the furniture, the containers in the back and then set up mm-hmm. a showroom, which you've been to, uh, Peter, yep. Uh, yep. kind of an outlet and basically started working, uh, working there. And, and and that was that was the warehouse that was located. What is that off piece off of? It was uh, pretty much across from like the uh, Dakota Center, which was yep. uh, it was a warehouse district that started becoming like the Miami Design District. It was it's called yes. the South Florida Design Park, and uh, actually a lot of the people from the designers from Dakota started going over there because the average rent was ten to twenty a square foot. Where in Dakota, it was anywhere between 80 to 100 a foot. Yeah. Yeah. So I was the, uh, there was already maybe 10 to 15 designers there in this warehouse district. They would refer to me as the tacky one because I had all the flags that said, you know, (laughs) total liquidation, 80% off where everybody else had these really nice little signs. Like if you go into the design district, very tasteful and tactful but the good thing is they'd have to drive by me to get to all these designers and well done. all the designers would come in and buy for themselves and you know they were kind of ashamed to bring their clients there but they ended up buying for themselves and then uh you know i ended up getting very well known there well now now, now jose just so the listener understands why they were buying for themselves i mean you were buying stuff at five to ten cents on a dollar and you were effectively selling it for what, 30 cents on a dollar, 20 cents exactly, on a dollar? Exactly. So it was great for a designer because uh, usually they make a commission or, uh, uh, you know, or mark, you know, mark them up. But here, the majority of designers would buy from me because they didn't want to show what they're paying for. And then they would resell mm-hmm. them to their clients. So, so they would wet their beak. They put a spread yes. on it. They'd wet their beak. And lo and behold... You become a very popular person. Yes. So because of uh, the design district and our, and our prices, we got a very good following with the designer community and architects and uh, just the real estate community. We get a lot of the home stagers, you know, that had Mm -hmm. higher end real estate, like condos or nicer properties that they really couldn't rent them out for four or five, $10,000 and go get rooms to go furniture. So, they wanted designer furniture, but they wanted it at a, on a budget. And, and, and let me lay it out for the listener. Um, uh, generally speaking, if you're driving around South Florida, you're driving around downtown Miami, you might see all these furniture stores that popped up. And then lo and behold, they weren't putting up the numbers once the cycle kind of ran its way through the boom years. Now, all of a sudden, they had to liquidate. They had to get rid of this stuff because they were shutting down operations. Jose would be like the perfectly suited to go ahead and take it down for pennies on a dollar, put a spread on it, and then turn around and retrade it. So you, as an individual buyer, you might have gone into a store and got uh, quoted some crazy price, 
And, uh, you know, a couple months later, you might be able to buy it from Jose for probably, you know, 70% discount. Would, would that be an accurate? Yeah, at least. And, and sometimes even more. And uh, I'll be honest with you. There was, uh, I can't tell you how many times uh, one of the designers in the area would come after hours or something and basically tell me how I just cost them a sale that uh, the buyer just happened to be driving by and we gave him such a ridiculous number that uh, they would go and tell him, I just bought the something very similar down the street for a fraction of what I'm buying from you. And I probably got uh, uh, four or five times where some, uh, you know, one of the designers would come in and say, I should be in a, uh, in an outlet district and not hearing the designers and I'm giving the design area a bad name. <laughs> Uh, but then we started collaborating with uh, the stuff that they wanted to get rid of. They all of a sudden would come back and say, look, as we were discontinuing this collection, we want it out of here. Just, just sell it for what you can. So, uh, what started as a, as a conflictive situation, uh, they ended up seeing that I could uh, provide a solution for the stuff that they wanted to move quickly. And, and at the end of the day, how long did it take you to move the 20 containers? You know what? I, I, it's hard to say because I, that was my first liquidation. And then uh, a patio furniture, a, com a commercial grade uh -huh. patio furniture company was, uh, had filed bankruptcy. So I ended up buying like 10 containers of that. And, uh, and then a, uh, an Italian, a high end Italian, uh, uh, uh chain, I don't want to say the name just because they're still in business, but uh, they had a, a store that closed down in uh, in Naples, and we ended up buying all their Naples store inventory. So Naples, yeah, Florida, Naples, Naples, yes, Florida, Naples, Florida. Florida. Although yep. it, it, it everything was made in uh, in Italy, it was true Italian uh, manufacturing and very high end. So I brought all that in. So it was a combination, and then probably four or five other closeouts while I was in the outlet. So, um, you know, it was a little hard to say when exactly I ended up with the two week because it was it's almost like a continuation of different uh, inventories. But got, um, it, got it. So, yes. And, but but you're no longer you're no longer in, in Hollywood now. So you, you've transitioned from the location you had in Hollywood, yes. uh, where, which is where you ended up when you were having that sandwich. You you got the deal on a short term yes. uh, rental. And uh, so you, you burned through the two-week stuff, some of the other furniture. Now you've picked up and you've actually relocated and you're, you're back in Dade County. Or I'm, in, in, Dade I'm County. in Dade County in a warehouse district. It's almost a distribution center for furniture. Uh, think okay. of it as an Amazon, but for furniture. And I do have items that I keep there that are left over from an auction or, or a closeout. Okay. But primarily what we're doing now is we're going on location of the companies that are either that have filed bankruptcy or that are doing a uh, going out of business or that are mm -hmm. uh, have a closeout or some kind of an opportunity buy. And we're doing an on location uh, where the company is before they either close or if they're just, you know, have an overstock situation. I'll tell you about a deal right now that was very similar to the TUI. Uh, is it's a it's an and I think you'll start seeing this trend. So this might be in the section of what I see coming. Um, this is a furniture yep. company that they sell online only, primarily, um, 
and mm-hmm. they happen we happen to share the same warehouse space and i'm starting to see all these return items accumulate so i talked to the owners of the company mm-hmm. and i'm like what are you doing with your with all these out of box and return items and they're like nothing we're just you know they're paying storage etc cetera, etc cetera. well to make a long story short they're based out of south florida in miami north miami and they ended up opening an outlet to uh display all the items that are returned in good condition any uh showroom items any floor samples anything that's out of box and are, and, are, yeah, and yeah, basically yeah. discounting them at a very uh at a very good discount and where you could actually see them you know you, you can go feel touch because if anything's out of box you want to you want to inspect it so we're doing that on location if anybody's interested they can contact you or me and uh, I can uh, I can tell them where it is and they can go look. But I think that's a trend you're going to see with these online stores that, uh, you know, the returns, are, hmm. you know, they have to move them. They have to do something with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jose, Jose, let's um, wh- why don't you go ahead and tell people how they can contact you uh, before we sort of pick up on that. Just just because um, I'm sure I'll get some emails and I'm going to ask you to do it again at the end of this segment as well as the end of the, the final segment. But, but if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what, what's the best way for them to reach out? Keeping in mind that our audience goes everywhere from Tel Aviv yes. down to Sydney, from Toronto Perfect. down to Buenos Aires. Um, okay, so the website is uh, globalinventoryliquidators.com. I can be reached at 305-772-6966. I'll repeat that. One more time. 305-772-6966. And WhatsApp's okay or a call Abs- or text? Absolutely. What's and the- if you're on my website, you'll have all the emails and, and everything, uh, WhatsApp and all the all the, the means to contact me uh, if you're out of the country. Okay. And Jose, um, uh, I, I mentioned if somebody wants to maybe contact you about buying something, what about if somebody wants to, what if somebody needs to liquidate? But maybe somebody's got some of this excess supply, this overstock, if you will, or this oh, these open boxes. Can absolutely, they absolutely. That's uh, that's the one side of the business. Uh, you know, we'll do anything. Like right now, what we, we you know we just liquidated the uh, Trump uh, uh, National Hotel in Doral. Wow, what what the hell's going on there? I mean, listen, the election's happened <laughs> two weeks, so you're already liquidating all this Trump's all his property. Getting a head start, you know, before the election. <laughs> No, no, it's, uh, you know, hotels uh, uh, customarily basically will upgrade their furniture every so, you know, X amount of years. So we liquidated everything from their villas, their lobby areas and auctioned it off. And they're, you know, they're replacing it with uh, with new things. But lo and behold, not everything was the furniture that was sitting there. They also had excess furniture brand new in uh, in these pods that. We sold most of it at the auction. We still have some things um, remaining that if you go on the website, you'll be able to see. Uh, but that's, you know, that, that's the people that contact us. We had a company that, uh, again, Patio Furniture Company, they were going out of business. They had maybe uh, a full warehouse full of inventory. And we're, we, we will either work with the bankruptcy court or we'll help uh, with the receiver, or whatever the situation is in liquidating the inventory. Um, and it could be anything from restaurants. Unfortunately, with the way the, the economy has been with the COVID situation, a lot of 
business owners are closing down, they're filing bankruptcy. So I remember somebody quoted, you know, uh, uh, they call us the vultures or whatever. What is it? The vultures don't kill. They, they do the cleanup. They do. (laughs) do That's right. In in a Mm -hmm. sense, that's how I see what we're doing uh, because of these unfortunate situations. We help in getting rid of the inventory or the company as a whole or, or primarily it's uh, it's assets. Uh, or it's inventory. Yeah. Got it. Got uh, it. Yeah. Now, now, Jose, Jose, let, let, let me ask you about that. You mentioned an auction. Now, you're not actually an auctioneer. What you do is you will you will joint venture with somebody who's going to go ahead and handle that because your your primary role is bringing together uh, the buyer and the seller uh, uh, at a discount, but you're not handling well, the actual auction part. Just, or, just or like Will you... said, I would always say, you know, we're a uh, we're a problem solver. No matter what property presents itself, you, you try to figure out how okay. to – how to make it happen. So here, um, if somebody calls me, I'll look at it primarily to see if it's something I can buy. Uh, I have certain yep. specifications or certain criteria, but if it's not, or it's too big of a deal or what have you, um, if I can buy it, great. If not, then I have partners in the business that are uh, anything from auctioneers to appraisers in the business. Uh, there are also some people that have uh, funds that will put up money to take down a deal uh, almost like what we would call okay. hard money lenders in the real estate. Um, so if, if yep. I can't buy it, I will see what's the best way for the, for the business or for the client to liquidate and maximize the, uh, the liquidation, let's say of the, of the uh, inventory or the business. And then I will seek out either an auctioneer or a, uh, uh, a liquidator of a different sort and figure out how we can team up to take down the deal. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, now a lot of times this, uh, a lot of the, what you're describing, this reminds me back when you introduced me to uh, the foreclosure auctions and, and let me sort of set the scene for the audience and for the listener uh, right now, if you you want to go ahead and you want to buy a foreclosure in Miami, Dade, Broward, Palm Beach counties, uh, Florida, effectively everything's online where you can go online, you can make your bids and things like that. Well, that's a new occurrence. Before, the way it used to be is everybody would show up at the at the uh, effectively the courthouse right across the street from the courthouse, and that's where the auctions would actually occur. And you had groups that were running it internally. And Jose, you were one of the groups. You were in there and you were buying stuff and selling stuff right there within the courthouse, rather than all this online stuff. So that's really where you kind that of is, and that's well. where uh, you'd go regularly two, three times a week. We had a group of guys that uh, we team up and uh, you'd select the properties or maybe two, 300 properties coming up for sale a day, maybe a handful of them were a mm-hmm. deal. And you had to battle the, uh, the regular groups that were there. And uh, at the same time you, you would battle for properties, but at the same time you're trying to coexist. So um, it yes. was a very difficult arena because uh, if your your knowledge of the inventory had to be very uh, very high because you buy what you get. There's no title insurance. Uh, I've seen people there buy a property for thirty thousand that's worth four hundred and think they had a great deal and ended up being a, a third mortgage. <laughs> uh, or it had a half a million in city fines and liens and taxes. So it, it really is for the uh, seasoned investor and the ones that are the had a high pretense, uh, propensity for risk because you could really yes. get hurt 
pretty bad. Um, and also they were probably the most uh, ruthless and uh, combative and competitive people I've pretty much met in, uh, in, in, you know, in, in any other field or in any other arena. Uh, so the, the term cutthroat, that's really, I think, where it came from. Uh, so it was a mm-hmm. very good uh, learning experience. And, uh, and, I, and I still use those, those tools and that knowledge in, in any other category now. It, you know, and Jose, it kind of reminds me, I remember you telling me a story when you were first introducing me to the auction, telling me a story where, I don't know if it was you or somebody did a deal and basically outbid someone else. And by the time the person who was the winning bidder got to the property, uh, the other person allegedly had gone. It was uh, it was basically a Broward group that were regulars had come down to the Miami courthouse and basically uh, didn't follow any of the protocols, letting them letting them know that they're coming to (laughs) bid in Miami and not you know, not respecting, you know, sometimes they, they take turns in picking properties. I don't know how much of it is legal or not, but uh, what it's called, but they pretty much (laughs) took all the good deals that were to be had that day in the Miami courthouse. So after they, they paid for the properties, they all were going to lunch at a little Cuban restaurant that is right next to the courthouse that almost everybody frequents. Uh, while they were enjoying their Cuban yeah. uh, lunch, the guys from the Miami groups ended up going to every single one of the properties that they that they bought and ended up doing a substantial amount of damage to each one of those properties. So that <laughs> so that when they went to inspect afterwards, they looked quite a bit different from uh, from what they were before the auction. Uh, it taught him a lesson. It basically just said, look, give us a call when you're coming and, uh, and kind of wait your turn. Don't, don't get greedy. So got it, there was got a lot it, of things it. like that, that would happen. Uh, I, I can tell you a bunch of stories. If you're, uh, a newbie bidder, some of the things they would do to the new people to kind of get rid of them in a short period of time during the auctions. Like I said, I'm not sure how much of this is allowed or, or is not allowed, but I can tell you these guys knew all the tricks of the trade to protect their territory and to, um, you know, make sure that they got their portion of the, uh, of the deals. Got it. Got it. And what, what, what are the, a lot of those guys doing now? Have they all just simply shifted online or are they into wholesaling where they put up signs that say we buy ugly houses or, Hey, hey, do, do you know anything? Yeah, with, unfortunately, uh, they're my competitors now in the, in the, in the liquidation business. <laughs> <laughs> they're all buying. So they've all gone to the furniture, furniture and other liquidation uh, restaurants and all that stuff. <laughs> no, no, that, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, a lot of them are still in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of them have just gotten out of the business. Uh, some of them just are working with margins that, as you know, you don't have the margins anymore and the flips down here. And have just. Uh, are dealing with thin uh, margins if they're still in the business. A lot of them have gone further north, uh, North Florida, Georgia, other states where you could still flip and you could still uh, find margins uh, in the real estate. And some other ones, as you know, they've transitioned from flip investors to rental investors where they hold on to the properties long-term more for cash flow purposes. 
Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, Jose, we're going to, we're going to go ahead. We're going to take our next commercial break. Um, uh, Before we do though, uh, tell people again, how to get a hold of you. If they're, if they're interested in finding out more, if they want to see some of the product you got available. So what's the website and what, and what's the telephone number where they can call you? Website is global inventory liquidators.com. And you can reach me also at 305 area code 772-6966. I'll repeat it. 305-772-6966. Perfect. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to take our break. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about what Jose sees coming down the pike, um, especially as we start to uh, potentially pull out of this pandemic where we have a change in the presidential election. And I'm also going to ask him, what the hell is a No Way Jose special? So stay tuned. Challenging times for real estate calls for experts that help you to navigate the new normal in the process of buying or selling property in South Florida. At CBA Realty, we listen carefully and advise based on stats, local knowledge, and experience. For more information, call us at 305-865-5859 or visit our website, cbrealty.com. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Zalewski. I got Jose Suarez. He's the owner of Global Inventory Liquidators. Effectively, what they do is they bring together people who need to sell as well as buyers. And what's the common denominator? Everybody's looking for a deal and nobody can find a deal or an opportunity better than Jose. Jose, I got to ask you, I went on your website, globalinventoryliquidators.com. I'm going through, I see there's an online store and what do I find? I find a no way Jose specials. Uh, What am I seeing there? I'm seeing a chandelier that's priced at $2,000. You got it marked down to $395. I'm seeing a dining table, an extra large one, $4,700 retail. You got it going for $1,795. Scrolling down, I see another chandelier. $2,000 $2,000 retail. You got it for three ninety-five. dollars uh, Here we go. We got a, a, a high back padded leather chair, $600 face value. You got it for $119. Yes. I, well, how the hell are you making money off of no any of this stuff? Jose uh, deals are just uh, a name I've given my uh, extra special deals. And <laughs> the, what's... Uh, <laughs> You know, the, the the purpose is when you hear the price, you're like, no way, Jose. You know, anyways, um, what <laughs> these are, they're a combination of uh, products that have been left over either from a closeout or an auction. Um, so they're, they're, they're products that I physically have in my warehouse in Miami and uh, things like that. I just want to turn and burn them. And that's why on average, they're 80% off. Um, if you notice, we deal in kind of higher end, uh, what I call designer furniture, like the patio furniture is all commercial grade. The company primarily sold to resorts Mm -hmm. and hotels. So it's, it's very well made. It's hospitality grade. Um, and the, uh, the furniture, the chandeliers, they're all like either Tui lifestyle or Caligaris or brands like Camerick. So yep. it's not your rooms to go stuff. These are designer pieces that I'm selling at like a rooms to go type of uh, product. So it's basically uh, a select few items that I have for whatever the reasons I mentioned that we're just looking to uh, get rid of them and get rid of them quick. So uh, those are the ones that are you'll find under the No Way Jose uh, specials or deals. Uh, but, you know, overall, that's what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to get you guys 
uh, deals and products that you would not be able to find on your own. Their uh, their opportunity mm-hmm. buys. There's usually a very uh, small time frame or a one time one and done that we call it in the business that you're getting it at 80 off, but that's yep. it's right now. And the next time it'll be a different brand or a different uh, type of product. So they're really like what we did in the, in an auction. It's you get it there, you get it at that, that price. If you're lucky enough to win the bid, you, you're getting it there and that's it. There's no other uh, opportunities for that particular product. Got it. Got it. Now, now, Jose, um, talking big picture, um, economically, stock market's running. The flip side is the unemployment rate just keeps going up and it's it's staying up there. A lot of pipe people are buying single family versus a lot of people trying to get the hell out of a high density, uh, real tall, high rise condominium building. So we got a bunch of different, uh, you know, yeah. it's very hard to sort of read the tea leaves, if you will. And and, and, and I guess what what I'm wondering is um, what what have you seen? What were you seeing before the pandemic? And what are you seeing during the pandemic? And then I'll follow up with what do you expect to see? Uh, uh, well, you know, go, going prior forward? to the pandemic, um, I was start, uh, starting to expand categories from just furniture and home goods. And I was venturing into mm-hmm. uh, 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 apparel, apparel category, clothing, um, electronic goods, things like that. And uh, I was targeting the uh, big box stores here in the U.S., so like a Macy's, uh, Neiman okay. Marcus, a Saks Fifth Avenue, things like that. And, um, you know, the, the economy wow. has slowed down. So what they do is what they don't sell during a regular season, they have to, when the next season comes, they have to make room move that inventory. They usually take it to a distribution center and then you're able to buy Mm -hmm. that inventory in bulk by the container load, by the pallet. And, you know, you're buying it again for very, you know, pennies on the dollar. And what we were starting to do with global uh, inventory liquidators is take that inventory and target the Latin American market. Uh, only because if, uh, let's just say, okay. for example, a polo shirt here at Macy's, let's say retails between 60 and $80 in Ecuador or certain, a mm-hmm. lot of places in Latin America, the retail price on that shirt that's 60 to 80 here, U.S., is probably double to triple uh, because of the tariffs, <sighs> the, of tariffs. Uh, the brand recognition, you know, many reasons. So the idea was to mm-hmm. buy in bulk here. Uh, at pennies on the dollar and then take that inventory and sell it to uh, consumers in Latin America. And, and just if I could stop you there. So, so generally speaking, if you were going to go to, let's say a yeah. Macy's type and it doesn't have to be Macy's, but you're going to buy that, that name brand shirt, which retails 60, 80 bucks. How much do you think uh, you could buy it for? Obviously you're buying a lot of them, so it's going to be a cheaper price. And then what did you, what did you think you could sell them for in Latin America? Okay. So let's say, let's uh, say an $80 shirt here, a polo, or Tommy Hilfiger or something, $80. If you're buying a container load, okay. or you're buying in volume and quantities and kind of the overstocks, the excess inventory. So you can't cherry pick, you can't pick sizes, colors. It's kind of like you get what you get. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can probably you're probably buying those right around from eighty dollars. You're buying them at around ten dollars. 
And <laughs> nice. yes, you ran around ten dollars. Well and done. Our our business model is we were going to take that and pretty much sell it uh, to uh, a business owner or distributor or something in Latin America for we're going to double twenty, sell it for twenty twenty five dollars, and then the stores turn around and sell them for anywhere between one sixty to two hundred. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are you so kidding me? There's plenty of margin for the end users, for the retailers. Um, we're, we were doing like we did in the real estate, making a wholesale margin, uh, but trying to move, uh, trying to move volume. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, slowed yeah. down with the pandemic, okay, okay. as you, as you can know, the importing, exporting, people are just yep. uh, not going out. Yep. Businesses are in a standstill. So that's been kind of on hold. Um, during the pandemic, we had to shift gears just because, again, nothing, everything was shut down. We kind of jumped in the PPE uh, medical equipment bandwagon. I teamed up with a couple of people there that were um doing the liquidations and we're familiar with some of the factories in China and we just found a couple of them that were doing the masks that were doing the gowns that were doing all this PPE equipment so we grouped some money together and what we were doing is basically just importing them from China we got lucky with the group that we were able to sell uh New York City um the masks right in the beginning when they were going through when they were the uh epi, epicenter of the uh of the COVID-19 we were able to get a couple of sales to them they referred us to the VA and we were able to do some uh some deals and then quickly everybody started jumping on the bandwagon and prices started going down yep. so after a couple of months, they were basically selling them for less than what we can get them produced in China. So that was a quick, wow. a quick uh, run, but it really just kind of showed us that if you want to stay doing business, you got to, you know, it's like that book, who moved the cheese. You need to, you need to move in the direction of what is moving yep. and what is selling. Uh, so during the pandemic, we kind of jumped yep. on that bandwagon and now are trying to get back to, uh, to business as usual, but we kind of take it in strides. It's like, uh, unfortunately, like I mentioned before, a lot of companies are closing. A lot of restaurants were buying out their inventory. Some of them mm -hmm. that have been in business for less than a year, uh, just because no one's going out to restaurants or, you know, the, the business has gone down considerably. And unfortunately they're shutting down in droves. Yes. A lot of, uh, um, business like tile companies, uh, gyms. There's mm -hmm. a there's a liquidation we're doing for a gym in Jacksonville. That's like a mega gym, and unfortunately they have the top best equipment, but their their overhead is huge. So oh. that's something that we might take down, buy all the equipment because it's new, and maybe target a somebody that wants to put a gym in Latin America and pay a fraction of the cost. Um, so we're kind of post pandemic or, you know, or let's just say at this stage of the pandemic, we're kind of dealing with the, what's coming our way, businesses closing, uh, people yes. just wanting to get out of something or dealing again, back in the bankruptcy type of scenarios. 
Uh, but I really just get the, the typical mm-hmm. call now as mm-hmm. a, a business owner say, look, I'm shutting down. Come see what I have. Uh, I'm, I'm selling everything. Just give me, get me what you can. It's really just doing damage control in a lot of different segments. The, 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 uh, the most popular, like I said, restaurants, uh, small business owners of all types, tile companies, things like that, uh, gyms, um, just any, any type of business. Um, where I don't know if we're in that segment yet, but where where I'm seeing a lot of transition, and this is nothing new, but I'm just kind of seeing it firsthand. Companies that have, other than brick yeah. and mortar or transitioning from brick and mortar to online, anything, uh, platforms like your Amazon, mm-hmm. your Shopify that are creating a, a sure. buy sell type of format, not just a website type of service. Um, you know, the eBay's, sure. um, things like that, where you can pretty much, you know, if you look, everyone's on their phone now, they're buying on their phone, on their computer. And I think that's really the way you're going to have to go is getting teched up, uh, trying to, uh, target those buyers, uh, anywhere from a millennial. Um, we're, we're kind of doing that and we're sticking to the same business model, which is basically offering good deals, deals where you're like, no way, Jose, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the same concept trying to get your <laughs> opportunity buys in different categories, but it's basically going to be primarily yep. online. And the, and, and the yeah, name, yeah, no way, yeah, Jose, yeah, yeah, is just yeah. the way yeah, of, that makes sense. of uh, letting people remember the, uh, you know, no way, Jose deals, you know, everybody, they see me now, they're like, they don't call me, they're like, hey, no way, Jose. You know, it's, yeah, it's just something that nice. there you go. It's, it's kind of funny and it, more than anything, it helps them to remember your company and your, uh, and your name. Yeah. Now, now if somebody is interested in um, uh, potentially using you yep. to liquidate uh, what they have, um, what, what, what kind of territory do you cover? Are you only South Florida? Do you go throughout the state? You go across the country? Yep. You go overseas? I mean, can you give uh, sort of some uh, insight into that? Because obviously, obviously what the key yep. is, is if you got to have the buyers and you got to have the sellers, and it doesn't really matter kind of where yep. you are because you're, you're the yep. conduit that's well, bringing it together. Just from you're, being you're, based you're, here you're in South broker. Florida, I will get a lot of South Florida calls initially. Uh, now, from liquidating inventory mm-hmm. in South okay. Florida for the last five years or so, I have cultivated a lot of buyers that are looking for all kinds of opportunity mm-hmm. buys, be it furniture, be it apparel, be it, uh, you know, uh, inventory or uh, uh, equipment for a restaurant. So I've, I've cultivated a lot of uh, buyers from Latin America, the Caribbean and different parts of the U.S. And at the same time, uh, like I mentioned, yep, if, yep, yep. If, if I see a deal coming down and I can't. Uh, handle it on my own. I have developed a team of different people from auctioneers to other liquidators to buyers who have the funds to take down the, the product. So we're trying to make it to where uh, we can, uh, we can uh, take down any kind of deal uh, depending on the different partners that are needed so that we never have to turn down a deal. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. And 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 who who ultimately would you say is your is your client or customer? Is it the people selling? 
Is it the people buying? Is it the well, individual? It's, it's, is I it a big buyer? Uh, what, both uh, and all in the sense that, you know, we need the people selling okay. or, you know, the opportunity buys to be able to offer it to the people looking yep. for the deals. Uh, so it's half and half. It's people that have sure, an inventory sure, sure. or have a situation that they want to sell and sell quick. And we figure out how to, how to dispose of it or how mm-hmm. to liquidate it or how to auction it off. And then on the other hand, you need the buyers, uh, the regular buyers, or uh, that would be the, uh, you know, the, uh, the business buyers that will buy in bulk from you or, or take down uh, the wholesale. Um, yep. And at the same time we have, you know, we targeted in, in the outlet, in the furniture outlet in, uh, in Hollywood, I targeted uh, uh, individual buyers that were just looking for good deals so we we would take it down in bulk, you know, like those yes, twenty containers yes. from Tui, and then somebody can come in buy one sofa mm-hmm. for me instead of paying uh, two thousand dollars. You know, they were paying three uh, two thousand dollars. They were paying three hundred dollars for that. So um, we have both bulk buyers and individual buyers, and uh, and we offer it to both of them Got depending it. on the deal that we get. Um, my partners and the people that I work with are not just local, like, uh, you know, the hotel liquidations that we do when they're renovating. We've done hotels in, uh, in Vegas, in New York, in California. And we'll also, nice. uh, if there's a liquidation in, in Nevada or whatever, we've got people that can go take a look at it, uh, appraise it, assess it, and we can do the deal either there where it's located if we can sell out of there. Or we'll bring the inventory down here in South Florida mm-hmm. if it warrants and we'll sell it down here. So the the idea is really to not let a deal get away. It's to figure out how to how to sell it, whether individually or or in bulk. And but the concept is the same, whether like in real mm-hmm. estate or when we did the condo or uh the, 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 the concept is the same. Try to get a deal a good deal and try to offer it at a very good price that uh, at yes. a price that normally they would not be able to get on their own. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, now in terms of, in terms of going forward, um, uh, is maybe anything unexpected you think might be coming down the pike? You mentioned restaurants and you mentioned some of the businesses that might be struggling. Is, is there anything that you're anticipating or expecting? Maybe some sector um, that uh, potentially could be uh, somebody. Well, that I'll tell you what on, I'm excited about. Uh, again, in the maybe near this future, is from being a real estate guy uh, originally and still yep. in the business, you know the real the real estate segment seems to be pretty yep. strong. Um, unlike back in the uh, in the last uh, big recession, uh, the Great Recession, I still see a lot of properties. Yeah, the Great Recession. Uh-huh. The values haven't. Uh, haven't plummeted like like it was before where the real estate market just kind of came to a, a screeching halt. Um, that's why I like this one deal that I mentioned to Correct. you, that it's a local um, furniture company, very similar to Tui where it's modern, contemporary. Um, but again, you know, being that the market mm-hmm. has shifted over to rentals, Airbnbs, uh, and we have a high-end market like the condo market, yes. you know, South Florida is... is medium to high. Uh, I like the idea of having an ongoing inventory of out of box products because you could buy something that originally cost, 
you know, $2,000. You could buy it for a couple of hundred dollars um, to be able to satisfy all these investors mm-hmm. that have rentals, the people that want to furnish Airbnbs, all these home stagers, et cetera, et cetera. And it's yep. an ongoing source of inventory where if you remember my outlet, I might have had two of this type of sofas or or dressers. And then when I was done with them, I'm done with them. The the fact that these uh, are the returns yeah, yeah, out yeah, of box, yeah. it's, it's a continuous flow. So um, the scarcity of the market of the product isn't a problem, which is what I ran into back with my outlet. So I like that continuation of inventory at a continuously good price. And I'll tell you another thing that due to the COVID situation, if you go to buy to any furniture store and want to buy new product, a lot of them are still having Mm -hmm. backlogs with their containers coming in months and months and months. And they're out of like 50, 60% of their regular inventory where, yeah, yeah. And go to any of them. uh, Really? um, Between the trade war and the uh, heightened tariffs between the fact that they're just shut down uh, and, and, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and the whole COVID thing, you will find 50 to 60% of new inventory yep. out of stock. And you, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You say that Jose, yeah. um, I did a podcast yeah. with Steve Mussolino of Casa Linda, who, you know, out in Durrell, he was saying right before the pandemic, what is the pandemic yeah. was breaking? Yeah. They would go ahead and ordering everything in terms of tile so they had they had containers yep. on the water when all hell broke loose in terms of worldwide. So now he's yep. got his competitors coming to him buying containers of tile. They're putting a spread yeah. on it. So yeah. he basically yeah. has turned himself into a same wholesaler scenario. He's being a retailer. So, so it's what the same I like scenario. about this concept, this out of box, these returns is that first of all, it's local. You can go and look at it. Yep. You're getting great deals, and they're the contrary of lack of inventory. There's excess of inventory. Because, you know, as you know, online, if you didn't like the color, it wasn't exactly what you ordered. You just take it and and send it back. So we're running into the opposite of the lack of inventory, which is kind of nice. And I think that'll continue on for quite some time. Interesting. Interesting. Now, now, Jose, um, I don't want to let I don't want to end the podcast without asking you. You obviously, you're, you're somebody who understands real estate. You've seen real estate. You've been doing real estate since the 80s down here in South Florida. Um, from what I'm seeing is these, while the single family house market yep. is strong, the condo market, not so strong. And I'm seeing inventory really start to build. What, what, what would you say is your prognosis going forward uh, for condos? Not for houses, for condos going forward, given the fact that there seems to be an oversupply in certain markets and you now have this brand new uh, X factor, which is, do I want to live with in a high density building, 500 uh, units with 750 people? And there's a pandemic and the possibility of a future pandemic, in, uh, you know, kind of yes, laying in this yes. or, or, well, or out there. You know, so you, what, I think what, you've answered how do you the question sort of read yourself. I mean, those are, those are negative factors for a condo market. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, of uh, just the, the, again, the rental, portion of it where people are renting them out um airbnbs where they're allowed maybe Mm -hmm. outside of the miami area uh uh, those type of investments are good yeah yeah Uh, yeah yeah. but yeah it's a difficult uh it's a different a difficult uh scenario for the condo market 
Um, I don't, you know, and again, I'm not in it as I was back with the great recession, but uh, I, I think maybe the way to go is the, is the rental yep. side of this me on a, on a personal investment. I will look for properties uh, not so much condos, but I'll look for properties that I can keep as rentals. Um, I still try to get the ones that need work because yep. you can, you can still get a little bit of a spread and, uh, and hold on to these properties and just mm-hmm. rent them out uh, more for passive long-term, uh, you know, income. Now, yeah, yeah. now, now, now you're somebody, uh, and this would be my last question. Well, uh, my second, my last question, um, you're, you're somebody who, who, who will go in and you'll buy 20 containers or something, even though you don't necessarily know what the hell you're going to do with it because you're buying it at five to 10 cents on a dollar. Now, what I want to ask you is given all the, the headwinds for condos, what do you think the right price is? What kind of discount does somebody out there, uh, one of our listeners today, what kind of price should they be thinking Oof. before they say, you know what, maybe I will jump into the condo game, even though you have all these issues on there? Does it have to be 70 wow. cents on a dollar, 50 cents on a dollar, well, 20 cents on a dollar? What, I what, think, what, 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 what say you? I think there's a discrepancy of what I would pay for, uh, for a distressed condo, really because, you know, <laughs> back when, uh, you know, for a deal, for, for it to be a deal for us, when we were buying is let's say it's worth 200,000 and we were picking it up for 20, $30,000. Yes. Granted, we had to put another 20, 30 into it yep. uh, fixed up, but those are the deals that we were buying. And that's why I stopped buying. Cause those deals just aren't around anymore. Uh, I'm going to turn around and, and uh, yep. probably give a little bit more benefit to your listeners and say, what would you consider a good purchase for a condo nowadays for an investor to, to jump on. Yes. Well, I, if you're asking me, I think that's pretty simple. Um, I, 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 I gotta be able to rent it, cover my costs, both taxes, maintenance fees, uh, not necessarily debt. And I still gotta put a little bit of money in my pocket and it sure as hell is nowhere near what they're currently asked. I mean, I think you gotta take, yeah. you gotta whop 50% off of it. I don't see how, you can't take at least 50% off because if you got units in downtown yeah. Miami, which is a 375 a foot market before the pandemic priced out at a thousand to $1,200 a foot, there's no freaking way in hell. Uh, you know, the rents are going to cover anywhere near the cost. Like, you know, I think you're, yeah. you, you know, yeah. it's gotta be, well, I remember when you and I were uh, doing uh, the condo vultures and we were selling the condos in Brickell. Uh, even if you got a yep. great deal on the buy, it came nowhere close to, covering your overhead on that condo between taxes, insurance, your mortgage, if there was one, uh, right. you weren't even close to cash flow. And so uh, I never really saw the condo as a good rental investment. Uh, the, you know, I'm working on a deal right now that I just happened to mm-hmm. come across. It happened to be two houses that are zoned uh, commercial. So they're you know, the ones that you see like on main avenues that have like an insurance company. Okay. I've got two of them that basically two investors, sure, sure, uh, sure. some investors got into it, got in over their head, um, been trying to get permits and everything on it nice. for the last couple of years. It's been sitting there. They've been paying hard money on and now they're out of money and they're out of steam. So oh. I, I could probably pick that property up for back nice. to the numbers in the, I mean, I calculate this property is probably close to seven, 800,000. I'm negotiating a deal at about mm-hmm. 200, two and a quarter. 
Now, I'd say there's a 90% <laughs> chance I well can get done. it at that number. One, because nobody knows about it. Uh, if it was an open market yeah. type of property, uh, that would get bid up by probably to current market value. Uh, so I'm going to go in there. I'm going to completely mm-hmm, rebuild mm-hmm. it, uh, pull all the permits, get it going, rent it out to two uh, businesses. And that's something that after, I'll, I'll, I'll take it down okay. with hard money initially, um, get it. Uh, where I could uh, refinance it and then put a regular mortgage on it. And that's something that the cash flow will exceed my expense of the, of a mortgage on it that I can get for three, maybe 4% somewhere in that ballpark. And that's something that I'll just hold on to and just keep, you know, keep, keep yeah. running it out and let it pay for itself. But normally those deals are not, uh, you can't find them here locally. Like I said, the investors that I, know that used to buy these uh, are up in Georgia now. They're up in North Florida, Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. They're in uh, in Missouri and places like that to get those kind of spreads. Yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay, Jose, my, my last question for you. You've been, you've been on the ground since uh, the 80s in Miami. You've been playing the real estate game. You've been through the savings and loan crisis. You've been through the Great Recession. We're now going through the pandemic. From a buying opportunity perspective, um, how, I, I, how does this, uh, what we're faced with right now, and granted, there's no vaccine yet, but there's optimism that there should be one, uh, you know, by, by the second half of next year. Well, how good of a buying opportunity do you think this will be, and in what given what you've seen talking? up to this date uh, since you've been here in Miami? Uh, just, just, just real estate, just, huh. just uh, real estate well, in South Florida. In, in real estate in South Florida, huh? That's interesting. I I would say, and and again, my from what I've seen, not the condo market, but uh, in general, yeah, real houses. I have not heard that it's taken a hit yep. like mm-hmm. back in the in the Great Recession. So it almost seems like business as usual, at least up until this point. Yep. Um, what I, I guess what I and this is what I'm applying to okay. deals that I'm buying here in the liquidations is I'm trying to be conservative. Go as low, low as possible, just because you're you're kind of gambling to see if you're going to be able to move it. Um, it's just be conservative. Go yep. as low as you can to try to get that deal. And really, it's like anything else. We we kind of take it deal by deal. When we hit and do well on the deal, or let's just say the prices go really good at an auction, then it kind of gives you a little insight as to what what's hitting and what's not. But unfortunately you need to be on the ground floor where the bidding is going on or where the deals are being done to, uh, to be able to realize what's, what's a good buy and a sell and what's not. Uh, you kind of learn or take your hit on one deal and you kind of learn for the next deal that, that doesn't offer great insight for your, for your buyers, but got it from my point of view, kind of with boots on the ground you're kind of going deal by deal and seeing and observing and uh, kind of tweaking things as you either take a hit or you made a good deal or a sell on something. And from that, I try to pass that knowledge on to my buyers or sellers, um, you know, just based on what I'm seeing uh, here and now on the ground as things are happening. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, Jose, it's, uh, how, how did you get a hold of you? What's that liquidators.com and local number is 305 772 6966. I'll repeat it 305 772 6966. And ask for the No Way Jose deals. <laughs> that is Jose Suarez. He is an entrepreneur, as everybody can tell. He's also the owner of Global Inventory Liquidators. I encourage you to check out his website. If you're interested in what he's talking about with the furniture, or if you have product that you need to get rid of, you need to liquidate. Be sure to reach out to Jose. If you're not yet a subscriber to the Kind of Vultures podcast, I encourage you to do so wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like what we're doing, go ahead and give us a good rating. The more ratings we get, the more our messages spread. And what is our message? We're ultimately trying to bring straight talk to a market which is overhyped. And then finally, if you have any comments for us, please send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. I'm Peter Zalewski. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy. All right, Peter.